You're listening to the J. John Podcast. Well, this week we have the first of three special Christmas episodes. Joining J. John and Killy are a number of special guests. And so, without further ado, you're listening to Christmas with J. John and Friends. to our Christmas programme and what amazing guests we've got, Killy. We have amazing guests with us. We just heard them, Noel, Robinson, Lou, Fellingham and Leah Sachs. And we also have Mark Green joining us later. Thank you for being with us wherever you're watching from. We love Christmas and we hope that you're not going to be stressed at this time. The word stressed... When you spell it backwards, it's desserts. So don't be stressed, just have some desserts. This is a great season of expectation and anticipation. Christmas is a sacred season. And I like that word Advent, which inspires us to prepare with great expectation and anticipation. And throughout this Christmas season, there's lots of different traditions. What are some of those traditions, Killy? Well, some of those traditions can include things like Rudolph, the red-nosed reindeer. So what's the story behind that? (laughs) I like this story because it's all about Rudolph. Rudolph had a wonderful shiny red nose, but all the other reindeers who had black noses teased him. And the story was written in 1939 by a chap called Robert May. And he wanted to write about a reindeer who overcome adversity. And so what I like about the story is that Rudolph had a shiny nose that was a disadvantage to him. But actually, he led Santa's sleigh on a foggy night. So that's the story behind Rudolph, the red-nosed reindeer. Well... How fascinating and interesting. And I think it's true to say there are so many traditions at Christmas and we don't really always know their origin. Killy, tell us about the Christmas card. 
Oh, Christmas cards. I mean, they are an amazing tradition. They go back to 1843, when Henry Cole first thought of them. Before that, they've been sort of handmade and delivered. But do you know, across the world, there are going to be billions of cards sent this Christmas. I mean, that's pretty incredible, isn't it? Well, I don't know about you, I love receiving cards not so good about sending them. But there was a really interesting quote in the Times newspaper in 1883, and it talked about Christmas card giving like this. It said, it is the wholesome custom has been frequently the happy means of ending strifes, cementing broken friendships, and strengthening family and neighbourhood ties in all conditions of life. And I think that's a wonderful reminder for us all when we get our Christmas cards this year. And it's wonderful to have with us Leah Sachs. And we just look forward to having a little chat with her now. Leah, great to have you on the programme. Thank you for having me back, and I now really want to send more Christmas cards. Oh. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> but don't, don't you find it funny? Some Christmases we think, oh, I'm not going to send that person a Christmas card, and then they, you get one from yes. them, and then you've got to send them one. <laughs> like casually be like, oh, yes, of course, this is my intended Christmas card schedule. Leah, tell us about your Christmas and memories of past Christmases? Oh, thanks for asking. So my mother is German, so I spent a lot of my childhood in the car and um, with my parents driving to Germany. Um, and the Germans, I must say, do Christmas rather well. Um, so seeing my Oma and Opa and my family, um, and there was always lots of Christmas biscuits. Um, and we've kept that in our kind of London Christmas that we now do. So for us, it's a time of family. On Christmas Eve, there will always be biscuit baking because Christmas Eve is the big celebration in Germany, especially with my little now niece and nephew. Um, and that's a special time. And on Christmas Day, or whenever presents were given, my oppa in Germany um, would always read Luke 2. And we were not allowed to open any Christmas presents until Luke 2 had been read. So we've now kept that as well. So on our Christmas Day now in London, that's what we enjoy doing. So it's lots of food and it's a lot of Bible as well, which is beautiful. Beautiful oh, traditions. That's lovely. And I actually love the sort of German, the sort of softer oh ginger, the Lipkuchen, the Pfeffernisse. Is that what it's oh. called? Yeah, the yeah. Lipkuchen or the Pfeffernisse, and then you've got the Spritzkip. I could go on. Don't yeah. get me on about biscuits. Oh. <laughs> it is central to our family of just togetherness and baking. And very strong memories from me of my Oma, and now my mother, who is Oma to my niece and nephew. That's oh, how it's very so beautifully been passed on. Oh, beautiful. Leah, you're a musician. Yes, I am. So what do you actually do? So I play the saxophone <laughs> um, and do all various bits of musicality wherever the Lord takes me. I work predominantly in the kind of the private entertainment, so if there are events, if there are parties, if there are venues, I'm there to ensure people have a good time through playing the saxophone. And I also have a podcast that I work on, it's like podcast, which is just uh, a nice way for me to focus on something a little bit different. Oh, wonderful. And what's your favourite Christmas carol or song? 
Oh, I have multiple. I have yes. multiple to the extent where I like to listen to them throughout the year. Oh, I know, lovely. I know. Um, <laughs> but actually, I'm going to play for you in a minute, and I've chosen to play um, Silent Night. Um, I like how it speaks of the holiness of what we're celebrating. And of course, Stille Nacht, that has that very strong German connection as well. So that's one I really enjoy. Thanks, Leah. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. for that little fun fact about that carol though tell us killy so in 1818 a priest goes into his church and discovers that the organ is completely ruined and he's written a poem a few years earlier he gives it to a primary school teacher and says write some music for this and he writes the music for the guitar so it's you know interesting that imagine the panic of finding that your organ does not work, it's damaged on Christmas Eve, and you have to get it done that quickly. And they, they come out with such a beautiful song. Absolutely beautiful, Killy. No, it's really. amazing. It is, isn't it? It's one of my favourites, actually. I know, and it's actually beautiful just hearing it on the saxophone as well with the guitar. So thank you so much, Leah and Noel, for doing that for us. That was beautiful. And we're going to invite another guest now, Killy. We are going to now invite another guest. It's very exciting. We have Mark Green with us here in the studio. So, Mark, welcome. Thank you. 
<laughs> Mark, it's good to have you on the programme. Wonderful to be here. Wunderbar to be here. <laughs> yes. Now, what about you? A fond memory of Christmas? Oh, lots of fond memories of Christmas, yeah, growing up. And we also, coming from a Jewish background, we also had Hanukkah, so I got, you know, double whammy. Oh. A little bit of, a little bit of you know, a little bit of presents. Early December, a few more, three weeks later, so yes. Well, tell us about Hanukkah. What is Hanukkah? Well, Hanukkah was, um, you know, it's, it means dedication and it's a f festival of lights. And what it was was that the, um, uh, the, the Jewish people had been conquered by the Greeks and then they def the Greeks defiled the temple. So there was a rebellion and then this was the dedication, Hanukkah means dedication, when they'd won the victory, they'd defeated the Greeks against tremendous odds, they were rededicating the temple, but they only had enough oil for one day. It was gonna run out. But miraculously, before the new supplies came, the oil lasted eight days. So Hanukkah is a celebration of that, that's why there are eight candles uh, that you light and so on and so forth, to celebrate this miracle that the oil does not run out. Now, you, Mark, are a believer in Jesus, Yeshua, mm -hmm. uh, when did that happen for you? Happened um, my last three weeks, I think, at, uh, at college. Uh, yeah, when I was in my sort of 23 years old, yeah. And you had an epiphany? I actually did have an epiphany. As in, people have talked to me about Jesus an awful lot in the past. And, uh, you know, I thought about it a bit. But actually on that particular day when somebody uh, was sitting in, 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 my, um, in my room, 100 yards from the synagogue, and this guy called Steve Wexler came and talked to me and he said, so, you know, would you like to receive Jesus? And to be honest, I don't know that I really knew what he was asking me. I don't think at that time I thought, I am definitely a sinner, but there was a presence in the room. Mm -hmm. There was a presence in the room and I kind of was held, if you like, held. It was like being received into an embrace by Jesus. I kind of surrendered to him. And it wasn't, it wasn't a difficult surrender at that point. Something happened in the room. I'd like to tell you that it was a really intellectual decision and I thought about all, but it wasn't like that. He kind of, it was his grace, he just received me in and something happened then uh, that, that changed deeply in me on that day. So you encountered the presence of Jesus? Yes, I did. Although at that time, I didn't know what that was. <laughs> you know, this is, this is happening to me. He's the answer, what's the question? <laughs> Absolutely. I, love that. I think that's wonderful. Now, obviously, being Jewish yeah. and what we would say now, a fulfilled Jew, mm -hmm. um, you have read and studied both the Old Testament and the New Testament. Mm -hmm. yeah. In the Old Testament, Mark, there are what are called messianic prophecies yeah. about the arrival of the Messiah. Tell us about those prophecies. Well, in the Old Testament, um, the scholars say that there are well over 300 predictions that the Jewish people would receive a Messiah, that there was somebody coming who would transform um, the world, really. And um, a number of them um, relate to his actual life, some of them relate to his death, some of them relate to how he's going to teach, some of them relate to what he's going to do in the end, and some of them also point specifically to his, to his birth. And I think the first thing about these predictions, it, it tells us that God had a plan. Jesus isn't some kind of random event that he sort of suddenly appears and, no, 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 God has a plan, a plan for the whole of humanity and a plan for each one of us. And um, when it comes to Christmas, 700 years, before Jesus is born. The prophet Isaiah says, he's, 
he's going to be born, this Messiah is going to be born to a virgin. Well, go figure, that's just impossible. But in the end, that happened 700 years later. 700 years before Micah, the prophet Micah, writing about the same time as Isaiah said, it's going to happen in Bethlehem. Huh. 700 years later, it happens in Bethlehem. Now, Bethlehem, we know Bethlehem, but Bethlehem is a, it's a small town. It's not like the Messiah is going to be born in London. There's 10, whoops, <laughs> 10 million people there. No, 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 no it's, it's a small town. And um, so that's where... And there's a story behind that story because of the entire Roman census... Yes, indeed. ..that made the, that, facilitated that. Indeed. And, Mark, another thing that you do do, I know, is that you write poems. And you've been writing Christmas poems for how long? Since before the foundation of the earth. <laughs> well, about 30 years, actually, of 30, 30 years. 30 years? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh, wow. And you've compiled them in a book. Yes, it's a lovely book that's beautifully illustrated by a fantastic, fantastic designer. Oh, that's wonderful. Can you tell us about the poem you're going to read? Um, this poem is called um, Kings. And um, one of the things about the three wise men, they're also called kings, is um, they probably weren't kings, and there probably weren't three of them. Sorry, everybody. <laughs> um, but to me, it's extraordinary that 800, 1,000 miles away, they decide the truth is really worth seeking. Yeah. I I'm going to go on a journey. However many of them, I'm going to go. It's really, really worth seeking. And that God really honours their search. And I think he honours anybody's search. And although they get some things wrong, actually, no matter, they get to see the Messiah, and realise that that Messiah is for them and for us. Oh, well, Amen. please read it to us, Mark. We'd love to hear it. So this is uh, called Kings. We were not three and not kings, at least not when we arrived, and really more curious than wise, craning for truth in starlit skies, but at least looking, at least checking what we thought we knew, a king born for the Jews. No, we were not wise, more stupid than wise, asking another king to point us to a rival's cradle, but at least asking and finding truth in the old scroll, truth a murderer would not recognise, but wary Herod was to ply us with winsome lies and play a deferential role. No, we were not so wise, more blind than wise, searching for a king for someone else, but at least searching and finding in someone else's king our end, the end of lifeless ways, the rule for all our days. Later, they fancied us kings. In that, there was only this truth. He who would wear a crown must first bow low, must first bow down. Oh, that's beautiful. Beautiful, Thank Mark. Thank you so beautiful. much, Mark, for that. That was wonderful. And that's taken from your book that you've put together. Yes, it's called Adventure, beautifully illustrated by a fantastic designer. Yeah, Adventure, the Christmas poems, yeah. Thank you, Mark. Thank you, Mark. And now we're going to hear from Lou singing Angels from the Realms of Glory. What a beautiful carol this is. Angels. 
visions, brighter visions, be my father, seek the great desire of nations, ye have seen his natal star, come, come and worship, worship Christ the That was absolutely fantastic. Mark Green spoke in his poem about wise men, and they're referred to in the original script of the Bible. Now, I do have to confess, those two words don't always go together, wise men. What would have happened if they were wise women? Well, if they were wise women, they would have arrived on time, they would have brought a casserole, they would have helped with the delivery and they would have brought far more practical presents. Actually, there were wise women. There were three wise women that are recorded in that Christmas story in the Bible. Mary, Elizabeth and Anna. One was beginning her life. One was midlife, one was at the end of her life. One was dismayed, one was disheartened, one was discouraged. Mary was thinking about a wedding, not a baby, but she was totally surrendered to God and there were some miraculous happenings with angels that revealed to her this incredible mystery of God becoming a baby and her willingness to receive Christ literally. Elizabeth was barren. And in that society at that time, this was a little bit disgraceful. But she didn't allow what she couldn't have prevent her from going deeper with God. And in the end, God included her in that Christmas story and she did become pregnant and she did have a son. And that son, John the Baptist, was the forerunner to Jesus. Anna was a widow. After only a few years, her husband died. But she then continued in her life, in the temple, worshipping God. She didn't allow the past to hinder her future. 
You know, we can't alter the past, but we can bring the past to the altar of God. As I said, Mary literally received Christ. And you and I, we can receive Christ today. We can welcome Jesus into our lives and we can know his presence and his peace and his grace and his strength. Can I encourage you to receive Christ? I love the words in that beautiful hymn, O Little Town of Bethlehem. And in the final verse, there's a prayer. Will you echo this prayer with me now? O holy child of Bethlehem, descend on me, I pray. Cast out my sin and enter in. Be born in me today. O oh, come to me, abide with me, my Lord, Emmanuel. Amen. If you prayed that prayer, Jesus has heard it and the miracle of Jesus has begun in your life. Thank you so much for joining us this week. We will be back next week, so please join us then. And now I'm going to hand over to the wonderful Leah, Lou and Noel to take us out with that wonderful carol, Hark the Herald Angels Sing.
Christmas at the Movies is J. John's new Christmas book, a collection of reflections on some of his favourite festive films. This short book features Christmas classics such as Home Alone, Miracle on 34th Street and How the Grinch Stole Christmas. Each chapter highlights a simple lesson we can learn from Christmas movies. And the book covers topics such as family relationships, living with regret, the pressures of having the perfect Christmas and, of course, the true reason for the season. Get your copies of Christmas at the Movies today from jjohn.com.